0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a sunny day here in the capital in a week where we're not quite sure whether a global pandemic or Russian interference poses a greater threat to the country. Of course, time will tell on that front. Um, I am your host, Scott Chaloner, and I'm delighted to be joined first and foremost on this afternoon's programme by Tracy Pike MBE as I explore a new perspective on leadership. Tracy is the CEO of the Carmarthenshire Youth and Children's Association, a registered children's charity operating across Carmarthenshire and elsewhere in Wales. Tracy, very warm welcome to you today and thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on the programme.
1: Thank you, delighted to be invited. Thank you.
0: It's a real pleasure having you with us as well. Um, The reason we're here is, of course, to establish your take on leadership first and foremost, Tracy. So if we dive in by taking that word leader aside and exploring that in a little bit more detail, I'm interested to understand what that word means to you. What is the role of a leader in your eyes?
1: Right. I think when I think of myself, it's been a risk taker. It's certainly having a short term vision, but certainly a longer term vision. It's about inspiring your staff as well, um, as well as alleviating any fears they may have of the risks that I want to take. Um, It's about seeing the best in your staff and encourage them to grow uh, and build on their strengths. Um, But I think mainly you've just got to be visually, and I think the last six months has proved that leaders have really been tested have been to rethink how you lead a charity, how you can change and adapt very quickly. It's about ensuring you boost the morale of all your staff. When sometimes you feel like sinking yourself. So yeah, I think it's visionary. It's leading by example. It's, and it's about being taking risks as well. Um, perhaps later on, I'll have an opportunity to talk to you about the risk I've just taken and rebranding the whole of my charity so that about sums it up for me
0: I think there are a few important points to take away from that, especially the idea that you have to sort of be structured and have a plan in place, as you said there, sort of have a clear vision. But also you have to have the ability to adapt and be flexible. You can't be too rigid in your ways. You have to be ready to adjust to changing circumstances, changing guidelines. And that is one of the real tests that we've seen in business and institutions, organisations, and of course in governments as well, all over not just the UK, but also the wider world during the COVID-19 situation. For you, Tracy, um, of course, running a charity, uh, how has it been adapting to the challenges that the pandemic has brought about?
1: Well, basically, we had to adapt our services overnight because we, although we're commanded the Youth and Children's Association, we're we're just about to rebrand. So we're keeping our name as CYCA, but it's Connecting Youth, Children and Adults. And that's about delivering a lot of training uh running conferences. So obviously COVID halted that overnight. So we had to adapt all our services. Uh we had to me personally had to learn very quickly, for instance, how to use Zoom. We had to adapt uh how we deliver training. We had to deliver the training in much smaller groups. We had to adapt the time we deliver training because uh face to face, for instance, we were in a crash for for months with no childcare. It meant that perhaps we've had to offer that tra- that training at eight o'clock in the evening when the children were in bed. We had to adapt all our policies, so I was fortunate that I got a really good governance officer because obviously we had to undertake all new risk assessments um for uh, you know supporting families online. We also offer counseling services, and obviously counseling is most effective face to face, so we had to think of the alternative ways to offer that service. We were also one of my nurseries uh was uh, uh, selected as a nursery for key workers, so very, very quickly again, all the policies risk assessments have to be done virtually overnight. Um, uh, uh, And as well, of course, all the office staff had to stop working in office spaces overnight. So the way that I led my team, the way that I managed meetings, diaries, so we had to adapt very, very quickly. And obviously, for us as well, we had to look for funding very quickly because a great deal of our grants uh, come through funders and I was delivering face-to-face so we couldn't afford not to be funded. We've been very fortunate. We've been able to access some COVID nineteen specific grants, which has enabled us to buy more laptops for our learners, recruit more trainers. We've had a big demand for counselling support. We run a service for lessy GPs to prevent children um, who cannot or will not access through the mental health services. And obviously, COVID uh, heightened anxiety at home for both parents and children. We've seen increased uh, domestic abuse, increased suicidal ideation. So, you know, we've just had to think very quickly and not being able to go out and visit families, which is what we pride ourselves on, is that personal approach. So it's been, it's been huge. And it was like dealing with loss in the early days. You're in shock and you're kind of in denial and you get a bit angry. And then the realisation sets in for all of us as staff. We might not see each other for months, and and that was tough. But fortunately for us, we've come through the other end, moved into a centre of excellence literally two days ago. So we've all been able to return to work, and now we're putting screens up on desks so that we can start to meet families again. So in the space of five months, um, we've had to adapt all our services, you know, and we deal with the most vulnerable in our county um, and increased anxiety, heightened anxiety, depression. So it's been, yeah, it's been interesting times. And as a leader, obviously, I've had to make multiple decisions sometimes during the day and show the well-being of my staff, and sure my staff are working safely. So, yeah, it's been interesting times. But there are, the saying is, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And we come out the other end and we're absolutely fine.
0: Mm, certainly seems that the um, experience may well um, work to galvanise you in that sense, uh, for sure, Absolutely. Tracy. And I think yeah. it's it's going to be needed as well, because once the lockdown period ends, it, there's going to be more of a spike for um, in, in demand for your services, isn't there? Because those people yeah. who have been, of course, socially isolated will be able to get out of the house more as restrictions are eased, and they will be yeah. seeking help from the likes of yourselves as and when they do yeah. need it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we're seeing that already because obviously children return returning to school. Uh, we're preparing parents, helping parents now. So we're going to be running activities throughout August for Year 6 children that they can learn to reintegrate again because they're all very nervous about returning to school. We run a big lottery project here. So we're going to be supporting our learners and our predominantly mothers because they tend to be the ones that take the children to school. on how to, We've already delivered some training to school staff on um, keeping themselves safe, but also helping them with their emotions as well. Uh, what else have we been asked to do lately? Yeah, we've had an increase in uh, demands for services for children in particular, who, well, at school has been the main cause of anxiety. They've been fine during COVID, and now that anxiety's been heightened far more, having not seen their peers for six months. Um, so, yeah, we, we've noticed that, and I know working with GPs, they've noticed in the last two weeks there's been a much higher demand for mental health services. So Mm. we're having to adapt again now um, in how we can support those families.
0: And while we're on the topic of mental health um, as well, you've had to be very selfless in a leadership position over the last few months because you've had to safeguard the mental health and well-being of your staff members and also those who receive your services. But when you do need to sort of take a little bit of a moment yourself and look somewhere for a little bit of inspiration um, and direction when you need it, where do you tend to look to for that being in the leadership role? Because it can often be a very pressurised and a very lonely place being at the top of an organisation like yours, can't it?
1: very lonely position on times but I'm really fortunate I'm part of a group uh, that Lloyd Foundation uh, fund and it's where CEOs from different parts of the UK But so I'm part of the West Wales group and we used to meet monthly um, and we've been meeting monthly on Zoom so that is where I get my support and, and you know I've got personal email addresses of some of my I call them my colleagues Um and we're all, you know, we're all, we're all really struggling in third sector in the same way, you know, about lack of finances. So that's where I go to is my um, my lead friends who are leaders and, as you say, can understand the loneliness, the aspiration, but also having to stay strong for your staff. So I find that, and I've got a really good family and support network as well, so I'm blessed there. I've got wonderful children, wonderful husband. So, you know, I can I can offload tons of them as well when I need to. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you you become quite robotic, to be honest with you. You've just you know, you just can't flounder. You've got to be sitting in the middle of all this. I decided to move premises, rebrand and build a new website. So I don't quite know why I did all that during COVID. But there we are. It's all happened. And I go with different staff and share my vision, so there we are. Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's just because of the fact that it's been a real period of self-reflection hasn't it where with everybody um, sort of being in a position where things are shutting down there's been that little bit more time to reflect on what's going on sort of improve little bits of things think of like what needs doing that maybe I didn't have the time to do before so it has been a time of opportunity for some despite it being a very difficult and a very sensitive period for obvious reasons Um, and having reflected on how the pandemic has been thus far, Tracy. I think it only serves us before we do wrap things up on the programme that we also address the future and what's to come. We all know, of course, that we are going to have to adjust to a new normal for the foreseeable future. So if we think about the next sort of 12 to 18 months, what do you think is next for you and for Saika? And what do you hope to achieve during this time?
1: I think we've already put that into place by moving to these much bigger premises. We've doubled the... Close space, so it's enabled. It's enabled me to make sure that the staff can socially distance. We're in a position now where the, what was going to be a conference room for eighty people is highly likely now to become a room for hot desking and for meetings for many um, organisations who don't have the social distancing premises in place. We're seriously looking at now continuing to deliver our training online because that means we can go UK wide. Um, we're also, you know, we've benefited a lot from Covid and the fact that we've been able to access training online instead of going to a conference in London, which would cost £300 and it would cost your train fare and your hotel. You're talking a £500. We've been able to access that type of training now for £100. So for me, uh, I think there's been a lot of positives. You have to take positives out of negatives. Um, we do need to be a face-to-face charity, um, but I would will allow us to be. But I think You know, I think there's a lot of organisations thinking like us now that we've shown that we can actually work remotely as effectively. We've all said working from home, you know, we don't distract each other in the workplace. We get a lot more done. There's a lot to be said just for getting up in the morning and working in a dressing gown, you know. So there's been that positive. But for us, we because the bulk of our work is training, our wellbeing support, we've shown that we can now continue to deliver that online and so for instance young people we've had 100% um, attendance online whereas we didn't get that when it was face to face transport can be a problem lack of childcare so you know offering our services within their home we've broken down all those barriers so for us Covid has really made us yes reflect but actually we look at the way we develop our services so and I think we've proved in the last four months we can do it and as I say fortunately the the move's been good for us although it was very stressful at the time we're ready now for whatever because you know there is talk there's going to be I'm talking to a funder this morning and he's not able to do any face-to-face meetings this side of Christmas and they're predicting another dip in February so you know we we've had to forward plan and I was as a as a leader, I have to forward plan. Now, you just can't plan two months ahead. So I'm already planning how we're going to deliver the services. Still be delivering like this, possibly. This time next year, just gotta, you've just got to adapt
0: exactly it's all about adaptability and flexibility yeah. isn't it going forward it's a constant state Absolutely. and yeah. tracy i have to say it's been a real real pleasure and also an incredibly insightful experience having you uh, join us on the show today and you know i actually think it would be fantastic to catch up in a few months time just to see how things are getting on a little bit further down the line because we can really at this point only speculate on what's to come so let's hope there's some going to be some good news to share um, in in the, uh, the near future
1: Oh, I've been delighted to take part and thank you very much for inviting me. It's
0: been wonderful having you with us today, Tracy. And most importantly, until we do hopefully uh, touch base again, please do take care and stay safe with all still going on as well.
1: We will. You too. Have a good day
0: now. Yourself as well, Tracy. I was speaking today to Tracy Pike, MBE, CEO of the Carmarthenshire Youth and Children's Association. And for those tuning in and listening today as well, please do continue to be sensible with the lifting of restrictions and look after yourselves and others, because it does make a real difference in saving lives. Uh, Next up on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Matthew O'Neill for his exclusive interview with former Education Secretary, Lord Blunkett. Um, Lord Blunkett is today an active member of the House of Lords, Chairman of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and a prominent former Labour MP and Secretary of State. In fact, during his political career, Lord Blunkett rose to prominence to become one of the most renowned politicians of his generation, holding a number of senior positions in the cabinet of then Prime Minister Tony Blair and serving as the MP for his Sheffield, Brightside and Hillsborough constituency for 28 years, all despite being blind from birth. He was elevated to the House of Lords in August 2015 as Baron Blunkett of Brightside and Hillsborough. And I hope that you enjoy listening just as much as Matthew enjoyed speaking with him. If you haven't heard it before, that's all coming up next. Lord Blunkett, welcome.
2: Thank you very much. It's very good to be with you.
3: Um, Well, of course, uh, nothing is being said uh, at the moment other than COVID-19, which uh, we must touch on.
2: on the radar in terms of what they produced for the supply chain and of course um ensuring because there's quite a lot of fraud going on as we speak with um people getting into cyber attacks that they'll also take account of going into the the cyber security side effectively as well the more we are online the more people who are working from home